Welcome to Slate Church. We are so glad that you're tuning in today and pray that wherever you are, this message will bless you. If this impacts you in any way, we would love to hear about it. Send an email to mystory@slatechurch.com. Good. So good. So good. Uh, it's exciting. It's Thanksgiving weekend. Has anybody already had turkey dinner? It was that what Emma was just asking? Well, I wasn't I couldn't see. Who's had uh, turkey dinner so far? Anybody wake up this morning and eat turkey? Good. That 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 would be disgusting. <laughs> turkey for breakfast. It's like you can get away with cold pizza for breakfast. You can't get away with turkey for breakfast. That's I don't know. We can take this up after, but uh, um, usually we have like four turkey dinners on a on a Thanksgiving weekend. This year, I think we're down to like one, and I just don't know what's happened in my quality of life over the last couple of years, but uh, I'm going to have to take it up with the family members that decided to uh, not do a great job planning for Thanksgiving this year. My wife, on the other hand, is very, very well planned, and uh, we're hosting like, I don't know. 18 people tomorrow or something like that and if you've been in our house it's not that big it's it's decent size but it's not that big and so pray for us um if if we've never met my name is brandon richardson i'm one of the lead pastors here alongside my beautiful wife emma and luke and victoria betker and we're really honored that you would join us here this morning uh this is in of waterloo welcome to in of waterloo if you've never been here before we started here at in of waterloo just about five weeks ago and uh, it's pretty incredible to see what God's already been doing. We, of course, moved here to make room for more. Our 11 a.m. service was getting uh, quite full. Our kids were off-site. And uh, one of these, the move was basically to make room for all the people that we want to see come, and the people that have been coming. And we've been seeing some incredible stuff. So welcome to our 9 a.m. And uh, <clears throat> we're just so glad that you would start your day with us. And uh, this definitely is the most holy of all of the services, because to get up at this hour is uh, pretty remarkable. For those of you that have young kids, I am so, I, you, you guys are champs. Thanks for being here. Thanks for getting the kids out of the house this early. And uh, uh, yeah, we're just so excited. So I'm, I'm really excited to preach a message this morning called Going the Distance. Oh, you guys seem really excited. Oh, good, good. Uh, <laughs> It's like, this is a 9 a.m. service. This is what excited, excited looks like on us. <laughs> like, like I'm, I am excited. Uh, going the distance. And uh, I've, been, um, I've been a little bit obsessed recently with uh, long-distance sports, endurance sports. Anybody like endurance sports uh, of any kind? You're like, that's my, that's my jam. Yeah, there's like, in, in a room this size, is probably like one or two as, as exemplified this morning. Um, anybody just against endurance sports? You're like, uh, yeah, okay, good. My father-in-law said, uh, I, I, so, so a quick story. I ran uh, in, in high school, and one of the runs that I went on was a Toronto Island run. And at this Toronto Island run, it was a 5K, and my friend and I, we were the best in, in our area of Ontario, so we thought we're going to clean up at the Toronto 5K. And, of course, to show up, and most of the race we were winning, and three kilometers in, we're, like, there's nobody around us. And all of a sudden, this guy just comes up beside us, and we're like, where did this guy come from? But he looked fast. You know, some people just look fast. When they look fast, it generally means that their body fat percentage is about two, and they weigh about uh, less than a cat. And this guy's, like, running beside us. And, and, I'll, and I'm like, 
three kilometers left, or, or two kilometers left in this five-kilometer run. We get to the end, and this guy had beat us by two minutes. Little did we know, his name was Danny Cassip. He was Canada's fastest marathon runner at the time. And uh, a year later, he would tragically die of a heart attack in a marathon. And, like, I was like, I was like, that's surprising. And, and my, my father-in-law said, see, that's why I don't run. He said, nobody has ever died binge watch. I'm kidding. But, um, I mean, I, I was like, that, that the logic is a little flawed, but okay. But I've been obsessed with long-distance endurance stuff recently uh, because yesterday somebody actually uh, tried to break the marathon record, uh, historical marathon record for the fastest marathon ever. And I'm going to talk about that in a minute. So when we're talking about going the distance. I'm not talking about endurance running or endurance sports or that sort of thing. Uh, I'm not necessarily talking about your, your relationship. There's a, like a young couple in here holding hands, squeezing hands, like, we're going to go the distance. And it's like, that's great, but um, not also just talking about that. But what we are going to talk about this morning is it can apply to whatever personal situation you go through. But I also want to talk about what it looks like to go the distance as a church. Because here's the thing. We're two years old, and God's been doing incredible things. This 9 a.m., when it started, literally, it was just the front row. It's like, okay, like, are we... Did we do the right thing here, you know? And all of a sudden, it's been, it's been gaining mass. And, and the 11 a.m. continues to grow. And the 4 and the 6.30, they're, they're, they're bustling. And, and Elmira's going great. And, and two years in, sometimes we can get the bit of, bit of a thought like, wow, look, maybe this is it. But listen, we want to go the distance as a church. We want to go to the distance as leaders within God's church. We want to go the distance as parents of little ones that we're sending out on mission into the world that God's created. And so today, we're going to... Talk about going the distance. Turn to someone and say, you ready to go the distance? If you're married and somebody that's not your, your spouse told you that, say, no, I'm, I'm not. I'm just... All right, let's pray. Jesus, thank you for who you are and, and the fact that we get to come here on Thanksgiving Sunday. God, every day is a great day to give you thanks for everything you're doing in our lives. Every day is a day to give thanks for all the incredible things that we've been privileged with here in Canada. But God, thank you for days like today that recenter our minds around the fact that we need to be more thankful. God, thank you for weekends like this where we can gather with family and, and be reminded of the blessing of, of the home and, and the table. God, I, I pray for anybody that's feeling alone this Thanksgiving, that God, even in the service, there would be people inviting people over for, for, for Thanksgiving dinners, that even within this community that, that exists right in, right in this room, God, that we would provide for those that maybe are feeling a little on the outs this weekend. We pray this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. amen. All right, well, I want to read to you out of the book of Hebrews. And the book of Hebrews was written by, we're not sure. And uh, that was his name. <laughs> We're not sure. Anyway. Um, but, uh, you know, there's a lot of similarities to Paul. And Paul, of course, if you don't know who Paul was, Paul wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. And there's a lot of similarities to Paul, but it's believed that whoever wrote Hebrews, uh, which came into our canon of Scripture with the writings of Paul, was likely a student of Paul. And so there's lots of similarities uh, between the writings of Hebrews and a lot of Paul's epistles and letters to the church. Um, but we, we're not quite sure who wrote it. But what we're, what we're very confident of is that the book of Hebrews was written to a Jewish audience that was going through severe persecution. Severe persecution. 
And the entire book of Hebrews uh, written to the Jews that were going through persecution was to remind these Jewish people to persevere in their faith, okay? It was written to a group of people, likely a church in Rome. Uh, again, uh, the direct audience isn't, uh, isn't necessarily spelled out in the book of Hebrews. But what we do know is that during this time, Christians were going through a, a really tough time, okay? Somewhere between the, 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 the year of 50 uh, AD to 70 AD, this book was written just as we were coming into those years of Emperor Nero that if you're in uh, service a few weeks ago and I talked about Emperor Nero, this guy was insane. He was a maniac. He was a, he was a lunatic. And, and his main thing was to blame his woes on the Christian church and then set an example of them. And so what he was doing was he was just destroying the church. He was setting fires to his own city, to his own emperor. He would set fires and then blame it on the church so he could have Christians executed. He, 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 was, he was insane. And, and this was the persecution that the Christian church at the time was coming under. And so the book of Hebrews was written to an audience of people that were thinking like, can we take this gospel to the world that we live in? Is it possible to reach a, a, a generation that absolutely does not want what we have and, in fact, wants to kill us for what we have? The questions that were being asked at this time was, hey, we've been, we've been following the way, the Jesus way, for about 50 years at this point. Does it actually work? Uh, the questions they were asking at this time was, well, Jesus died and he said he was coming back, but we're going through this intense persecution. Like, like is he going to come back and how long is he going to be? And, and are we able to hold on to our faith for as long as we want to be? I, I find this interesting because I think that these questions aren't too far off from what a lot of us ask. Like, let's be real with, with where we're at as Christians. And at times, we have questions surrounding our faith, like, like is, is God who he says he is? Is he able to heal my mom that just got a bad report on the mammogram? Uh, is, is he able to influence my kids where already in grade three, they're around the wrong friends and I don't know how to do it other than pulling them out of school and, and how's this going to work out? And, and, and can God come through in that situation? I think it's the same questions we ask ourselves when, we, when we're believing in God and we're going like, is that, is that guy coming back? Like, is Jesus coming back? It's now been longer than 50 years. It's been longer than 70 years. It's been like 2019 years, about that. Where the heck is Jesus? And the early church was asking questions that I think we in this day and age are actually asking as well. And interestingly enough, the early church was growing rapidly during this time in a time where they felt immense persecution. You see, I, I think that similarly we live in a day and an age where Christians are just scared to voice their allegiance with God, voice their, 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 their commitment to Jesus, voice their faith in who Jesus was simply because of what it might do to our social standing. These guys were, 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 were at risk of being blamed for fires being set by the emperor and being killed for it because of their faith. And we walk around similarly in the, in the way of feeling like we'll come under fire if we open up about what, who Jesus really is to us. So the book of Hebrews is an interesting book, and I think that it, it really impacts where we are today. And if we're going to talk about going the distance, I think that we can look at the example of the writer of Hebrews and really start to apply it to what we see in our lives as Christians and in our churches today and modify, um, uh, and not modify, but, but apply this message to our lives. So where we're going to read out of is the book of Hebrews chapter 12, all right, chapter 12. 
And uh, in the chapter 11, just to give you a bit of a, uh, and we're going to jump back to this for a second, but they call it the Hall of Faith, okay? The Hall of Faith is essentially walking through a series of people that have essentially done God's work over the generations, have done an incredible job. And uh, the book, the writer of Hebrews actually walks through each of these people that made a big dent on, on, on God's people coming to the place where they're able to receive Jesus. Um, and he documents it, and, and it comes to this cu- uh, accumulation uh, of sorts in, the, in chapter 12, where it's reflecting on everything that was written before. So it's saying, hey, persevere and all the rest, and here's some people that persevered, and here's some people like Noah and Abraham. And, and if you're not familiar with the Bible, these names mean nothing, but they're people of faith that set just in a great example with what, of what God wanted to do in and through his church, okay? And then in, in chapter 12, it picks it up, and it says this in verse 1. If you're there, say, I'm there. Awesome. If you're like, I'm just looking on the screen, say, I'm looking on the screen. All right, I thought so. In verse 1, it says, therefore, and anytime we see therefore in Scripture, this is just a little hint, you need to look back at what was being said before it. Because in Old English, it would have been wherefore. Uh, Whereas it's happened here, now we're going to talk about this. Therefore, it, it literally means what just happened, what I just was just talking about, Now I need to say something that applies to all of those things. Therefore, you always have to read, uh, that that was a sentence, that's weird. Um, Every time we read, therefore, we have to look back at the context in which it came from. And what the context that we have in front of us is is a book of Hebrews. It's, it's, It's encouraging us to persevere, but it's also giving examples of people who persevered, okay? So it says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, people like Noah and Abraham and Jacob and, 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 and Joseph and Moses and, and all these people. The, even the prostitute Rahab is included in here. It says, therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Isn't that the truth? <laughs> Doesn't sin so easily entangle us here in the year 2019? Isn't it something that just keeps, like, we want to move forward, and we're not moving forward at the pace we want to. Sin so easily entangled. Don't, don't, don't leave me hanging, because everyone in this room struggles with sin of some sort. Let's just come clean, because if we're going to get to the place of persevering, we need to just realize and accept the fact that all of us in this room are sinners saved by grace, okay? The sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. One more verse. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. You will not, lose, you will not grow weary and lose heart. I'm I'm fascinated by people that can go the distance. I'm fascinated by uh, people that are actually stronger than what they actually actually believe that they are. People that uh, come up against trials and tribulations, and and they're able actually uh, able to just. Uh, 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 plow through it like 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 nothing can t- touch them like like they're invincible. But but it, it's not always that way on the inside. I mean, we can observe from the outside that some people just seem to have that grit, and, and we can observe ourselves and wonder why we don't have the same grit. But it's a lot different when we start to get to know stories in which uh, in, in which that grit is exemplified, and we start realizing actually everybody's kind of human, and and that's what the writer of Hebrews is trying to do. Listen, there's a lot of people that went through a lot of stuff, and when you look at their lives individually, they actually went through a lot more than what 
what you think they did. So if you're wondering if I can be used by God and maybe only God can use people that are superstars in the kingdom of God, let's rethink this thing through because God's always used people like me and you. He's always used people like me and you. And uh, going the distance is, is, again, something that I've been fascinated over the last little while. And yesterday, the, the marathon record was previously two min- or two hours, two minutes, uh, two hours, one minute and 39 seconds. It was set by a guy named Iliad um, Kipshogan, and he's from, I believe, Kenya. And uh, he set it at Berlin, in, in uh, the Berlin Marathon, in the year 2018. He had just set it recently. And yesterday, he went to beat his world record. So there's some things that you need to know about running. And one of the things is that to beat the four-minute mile took a very long time. In fact, it took till the 1950s. And uh, in fact, it was, it was done in 1954 by a guy named Roger Bannister. He broke the four-minute mile. This was one of those uh, uh, things in, in running that everybody wanted to beat, but it took until 1954 for somebody to beat it. That's, that's, that's a lot of years for somebody to beat a four-minute record, right? And then, uh, and, and then there's, of course, other records like the one that uh, Usain Bolt set in, the, in, in um, 2009, which was 100 meter in a, min, or a minute, uh, nine seconds in 58, uh, I don't even, milliseconds or something like that. I'm like, that's too fast for me to, to even, even understand. Can you imagine running 100 meters in nine seconds and 58 milliseconds? He's as fast as a cheetah at that point, although a cheetah can run a little bit further, a little bit faster. And so that was another one with the a, with a 100 meter dash. It's, it's one of these records that everybody wants to break. Well, one of the long standing things that humans have not been able to do is to run a marathon, which is 42.2 kilometers or 20, 20 uh, uh, I believe it's 21.2 uh, miles. I'm looking over at you, Scott, 26.2 miles, sorry. Look at Scott, this guy should know everything about running at this point. But anyway, um, and, and this is one of those records that has not been beaten where we have not as humans been able to break the two hour mark for a marathon. Now, I don't know about you, but like a two hour marathon is, that's insane. I'm like, I can't break a six hour marathon. Like, imagine, like, like th- this guy, just to give you a little bit of a context of how fast this guy was running, I looked it up because I was like, there's no way, I, I heard this stat last night from Scott when we were playing hockey, he's like, he, this was his pace. His pace was literally two minutes and 48 seconds to two minutes and 52 seconds for every kilometer for 42 kilometers. In this room, a show of hands, who has run an under three-minute kilometer once in your life? Just one time. You're like, you went in, you ran one minute. Scott, you have. Put up your hand. Anyway, for everybody else other than Scott, you, we, we, can you imagine for 42 kilometers running between the, the range of two minutes and 48 seconds and two minutes and 52 seconds per kilometer? My, my mind is blown. I'm like, what, what, what is this? And, and so yesterday, he was able to beat the record by doing that. He ran a time of one minute, 59 minutes, or one hour. I'm getting my times wrong. This is weird. One hour, 59 minutes, and uh, uh, one hour, 59 minutes, and 40 seconds. First man in history to run a sub-two-hour marathon. Is that not fascinating? I found it interesting because as I started reflecting on this, I thought that one of the most interesting facts that came out of this was this pace time uh, between 2 minutes and 48 seconds and 2 minutes and 52 seconds. You know how hard that is to do. 
I don't know about you, but any time that I run, my pace gets slower and slower as I, start, I begin to run. If I start at like, a, like a, a, an eight-minute kilometer, then it gets to like a 12-minute kilometer by the time that I'm done, okay? If I start with like a five-minute kilometer, it gets to like an eight-minute kilometer by the time I'm done. The fact that he was able to do this for 42 uh, kilometers absolutely astounds me. Because here's the thing. I think it actually sets out a bit of a, an example of what it looks like to actually be sustainably going the distance in our lives and as a church. Because listen, he didn't come out of the gate like, look at me and look how fast I am and, and I'm going to show everybody how fast I am and look, look at my legs, look, how, look at my pace, look at my stride, look at, look at the power that's coming out of me. And in the first little while running like something like two minutes and 30 seconds and at the end running something like three minutes and 30 seconds. No, he actually designed this thing to actually allow him to be able to run the same speed the entire time. I, 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 think it, I think it's smart because what I see out of our lives as humans and my life as a human is I, I sometimes set goals and I come out of the gate like that's, that's going to be it. Like, look at me. I'm off sugar. Jared would be able to test this because about every week I tell him I'm not eating sugar anymore. And it's like, for three hours, I'm good. For three hours, I'm good until somebody arrives with donuts at the office and that's it. It's like, okay, I'll start again tomorrow. Like, uh, tomorrow, there's always tomorrow. You know, like, why put off till today what I could do? To, I don't know. But I'm, I'm like, like, you know, and, and we come into the gate really fast. I think there's so many times where we're sitting in church and, and God's speaking to our hearts and he's speaking to what we're going through and he's speaking to, you know, our, our minds and our situations and our context and we're going, God, I, I'm going to follow you. There's no way that, that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop doing this. And, and all of a sudden we come into the gate and Monday's great and Tuesday's great and Wednesday is getting okay and Thursday's, mm, we're not so sure. And by the time it gets to Friday, we're like, I don't even know if I, I should go back to church because I can't seem to get my act together in between the times that I'm meeting up with everybody. And, and the thing is, is that I, I don't think that it's God's will for our life that we start so strong and we end so poorly. And this is why I, I dislike sometimes where we see somebody, they get baptized and, and they say this incredible testimony of how God saved their life and, and saved them from a life of drugs or alcohol or simply just complacency. And we look at them, we go, oh, just give it a little bit of time. Like, they're just a little excited. They just accepted Jesus. Like, you know, they, they'll find their rhythm. It's okay. And, and it terrifies me because that kind of language puts up a bit of an expectation that as we go on our walk with God, that it's actually going to get more comfortable, that it's going to get easier, that it's not going to be so excitable, and that we're actually going to get to a point where everybody's actually going to like us again because we're not trying to win every for everybody for Jesus. And my concern with that is that doesn't seem to be what the writer of Hebrews wants for the early church. What concerns me is that what the writer of Hebrews seems to want for the church is that it would continue with the same rigorous um, uh, uh, example of setting what, what the love of Jesus looks like for everybody around them, not just when things are great, but also when they're being persecuted. Uh, my passion, passion as a pastor and as lead pastors, our hope for our church is that marriage that you got into would just get stronger as time goes on. Our hope is that that moment where you smiled and took pictures in, 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 the, in, the, in, the, in the room where, where you gave birth to your first child, that actually that would just be the moment that started the rest of a journey where you just got more and more in love with that child, sending them into a, into a world on mission for Jesus, and that it wouldn't just get more and more burdensome as time goes on. I mean, my hope is that as we take messages on Sundays that encourage our heart and, and encourage our minds and encourage our context and our situations, that we'd actually get to a point where we could actually say, you know what, week to week, I'm getting better. 
come on, wouldn't it be nice to live a Christian life and, and walk in a Christian way that, that actually allowed us to look back on our lives and say, you know what, I'm, a, I'm, I'm more passionate about the good news of Jesus now at 75 years old than when I was 22 and recently accepted Jesus. I, 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 that's good. And I'm going to steal your phone at the same time because I, I need the time. Thanks, Sam. You're the best. You give it up for Emma. If there's anybody in this room that gets better with age, it's that woman right over there. She is the best. <laughs> so listen, I want to I want to give a bit of a, a a bit of an outline of what the cha- chapter 12 of Hebrews is outlining for us, and what it looks like for sustainability, what it looks like to go the distance as individuals and as God's church. Because you know what, this is something that's on my mind. I, I'm I'm not that old, but my kids are getting older every day. And I'm not that old, but I actually only have a window to impact my kids, to send them back out into the world so that they can be used by God. And, and as I look at my kids, yeah, my, my oldest is only three years old, but every time I look at her, she's not getting any younger. And I want to make sure that we're getting stronger as a family day by day. You know, the other day, I'm, I'm looking at Kenzie. We're in the bathroom or, or something, helping her on the potty. And, and she looks at me, and she says, hey, old man. <laughs> like, who are you talking to, you know? I send you away to boarding school for that comment, you know, like, like what, what are you, what are you saying? She's like, hi, old man. I'm like, what do you mean I'm old? She's like, she's like, sorry, hi, old beard man. I'm like, you can't just add more adjectives to what you're calling me and accept, expect I'm going to be any more okay with it. But, but you know, it's, it's comments like that that's like, yeah, I am older. <laughs> I am getting older. In fact, I'm right now in the position uh, in your life that, that my dad was in the position in my life. And I used to look up to him and look up to the example he was setting and look up to the, the things he was doing and look up to the fact that he left his Bible open on the coffee table when he left for work. And, and I used to look up to the fact that he would go running day after day. And I used to look up to the fact that every time they went through a, a difficult situation, they called on the name of God. And all of a sudden, in that moment, I'm going, I, I, I've got to be ready to go the distance. I've got to be ready to do this thing at a level that that inspires my kids to run even faster and further and more consistently than even I did. So here's the thing. In the book of Hebrews, it, it starts with this. In chapter 12, verse 1, it says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders. Everything that hinders. Therefore, since we are surrounded, surrounded. Turn to somebody and say, I'm surrounded. That was, that was maybe the weirdest thing I ever asked you to say to each other. <laughs> surrounded. Listen, what you're surrounded by will be the thing you eventually surrender to. So what you're surrounded by will eventually become the thing that you become. You, you, you will be surrendered to. This isn't some hokey, like, like oh, that's a great phrase to take away. Maybe I could throw that up on Twitter if anybody's still using Twitter. Like, nobody's using Twitter anymore. Sorry, Twitter. I, I apologize. Just in the States, I guess. But listen, listen. Listen, it's not just a saying. It's something that we need to get into us. Because here's one of the things that I never really understood growing up in the church, is how can I both reach the world and only hang out at church? How, how, can I, how can I actually explain this thing to my friends if I don't even understand what they're going through? How can I expect to get the good news out to people that I don't interact with? How, how can I expect to show the love of Jesus to a bunch of people that, that, that don't get a chance to be around the light? 
And it's interesting because all of a sudden I started to immerse myself in that, but before too long, all of a sudden I started looking more like the world than I looked like the people that I was going to church with. And, and, and here's the thing, it's, it's this weird dichotomy, and, and we create it into a false dichotomy where we say, like, it's either this or it's that. Here's the thing, God wants you to both build relationships in his church and build relationships with people outside of his church. Because all, if all we're doing is building relationships with people inside this building right now, what we'll be left with is a world where we're wondering, why is nobody coming to God? Why is a church like Slate Church where the mission is to see people far from God come into a relationship with him? Why is nobody raising their hand for salvation? Why is nobody getting baptized? Why are there no people coming into this place that don't look like us? And we'll end up in a place like that because we do not interact with the world. But some of us go so far on the other side and we say, well, I've got to go to the club because I'm doing ministry. It's like, how much ministry are you doing in the club? Let me come hang out with you and see how many gospel tracts you're giving out in the club. Like, like what, what, what do you mean? And we've created this into a false dichotomy because we're not willing to do the hard work of making sure that we're surrounded by the right people so we can be surrendered to the right thing and we can actually go out and reach a world with the name of Jesus. It takes hard work to walk the line, and we'd rather just be over here just praising God with everybody else, and, and oh, look at me, look, I, I look like a good Christian, and, and I, oh, we don't go over there, and we don't interact with that, and we don't do Halloween, and we don't do that, and listen, I'm not uh, against Halloween, that was the wrong, the, the different discussion, but listen, we, we don't do that, and all the things that we don't do, right, all the things we don't do, or we're on this side yelling at the people over there, we got to get outside the church and it's all about social justice, and there's nothing, no mention of the name of Jesus at all. Yeah. So we got to get to a point where we realize that God has called us both to build relationships with his church and build relationships with people that do not yet know him. So we might actually be sustained in our faith, but also be able to do something with our faith. On either end of the spectrum, what we get... This is good. Not what I'm saying. Your, your response is good. Listen, if we live on either side of the spectrum, it kills our faith. This one kills our faith because we don't know how to interact with the world. This one kills our faith because we don't know how to interact with God. What we need to do is make sure that we are surrounded by the right things that inspire the right surrender, that inspires the right action. What I mean by this is that... In this verse when it says, therefore, we, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, what it's talking about is some of our heroes of the faith. It's talking about people like Abraham and Isaac. Abraham, the guy that, that, that Jesus said, you're going to have a son named Isaac. And, and he's like, I'm like 100 years old. What do you mean? And I'm like, that's the last thing I want to hear. I'm like, I'm like about 30 years old, and I don't want to even hear at 30 years old you're going to have another kid. I'm done with kids. Like, Done. A little bit different of context, but this is the same Abraham that all of a sudden, literally, a, a, the, the chosen people of, of God actually came out of, out of this man. It's talking about people like, like Isaac, his son, and Jacob, who, um, uh, who gave birth to Joseph. And it's talking about Joseph, who literally led an entire emperor, empire out of a famine. It's talking about people like Moses, who literally, who literally set the same people free from the people that were supposed to guard them. It's talking about people like, like, like uh, uh, Rahab who protected uh, some of the Israelites as they went into battle against Jericho. It's an interesting crew of people that essentially what the writer of Hebrews is saying, listen, since this is what surrounds us, since this is what surrounds us, 
let's go out and do the work of God. Let's persevere in what God wants us to do. Since this is the legacy of faith, since these are the examples that you have around it, since, since this is what God has done in your past, let's go out and persevere. What, what does this mean for us here in, in 2019? Listen, since God has decided to do something amongst our midst, you know, since he's decided to somehow bless us with three services, or three locations and five services, since he's allowed us to be able to see about a 1,000 salvations across our church in just two years, since there has been people like PJ and, and Ulrika Stenstrand and Caleb and Julie Davidson and, and, and Damien and, and Julie Bassett that have, that, have, that have gone before us and other churches that are doing great things and they put their stamp of approval on us and sent us out into the city and the region of Waterloo. Since all of this has happened, uh, what, what we're being encouraged by God to do is to go out and persevere in the gospel to reach people with an of Jesus. Here's the thing. We need to look to the examples that surround us to get a bit of an idea of what is possible in the year 2019 in and through Jesus. Because if all we're doing is we're surrounding ourselves with stories of why God can't move or surrounding our stories with, well, why our, our day and age in Canada and, 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 and in this, this civilization and the way society is going and the way the political landscape looks. Now, Jesus isn't, he, he's not welcome in our context. If all we're doing is surrounding ourselves with the negative and the things that aren't and the things that can't be and the things that aren't actually going to be able to be possible into the future, if all we're doing is surrounding ourselves with can'ts, will never actually believe that God wants to use us to reach a generation with the name of Jesus. Why is it that we believe that God can move over in, over in, in, in Africa or India or, or in, in places in Europe and, and in China and Japan? Why do we believe that God could move over there but not here? So we've got to surround ourselves with the hope that the writer of Hebrews is doing and say, listen, we are not unlike those people. They have the same examples of faith, and we can actually go out and do the same things that they saw because we have the same source of our faith. See, these people, I love it that they're listed out, Moses and Isaac and Jacob and Rahab. And if you just read the Hall of Faith as it, as it looks, you're like, wow, these guys are superstars in the faith. But, but, but don't we realize that that... Abraham literally wanting to get the promise himself slept with another person so he could get the kid that he thought was promised by God. Like, that's messed up. What about Isaac literally stealing the, like, like literally uh, 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 having two different wives and getting so stuck up in, in, that, um, in, in that relationship where all of a sudden he's, he doesn't even know what to do and he's like sleeping on his wedding night with some woman that's not the wife that he wanted. And, and what about Jacob that results out of those relationships where all of a sudden he steals the birthright from his, from his brother? And, and what about Noah who actually got drunk the moment that he came off the ark with all these animals and he's just there drunk on the ground and one of his sons makes fun of him while he's naked. Listen, these are the same people. <laughs> See, one of my goals as a pastor is not to get up here and give an, uh, give an oration. Is that a word? This is demonstrating the point I'm about to make. Uh, my, my, my goal is not to get up here and impress you with the way that I communicate. My goal is not to study the way that I communicate to the point where you start to think I can never do that. My goal as a minister of the gospel, as a speaker of God's word, is to inspire you and look at me and be like, if that guy can do it, so could I. 
seriously, that's all it takes? Is that, like, he's funny looking. He's got, he's like, he's kind of awkward. He's always making up words. Like, I've got a whole dictionary of things that don't make sense. Like, my goal is not to, to get up here and, and, and show you what you can't do. My goal every single time I get up from the platform is to say, hey, you could do this. Hey, Scott, you could actually do this. Hey, Jared, you could actually do this. Hey, hey, listen, Adam, you could actually do this. And I'm only pointing at the guys because I hang out with you. I know your names. But listen, listen, everybody in this room can be used by God the moment that we start surrounding ourselves with the faith of God and not the fear of man. Every one of us can start doing the things of God when we start surrounding ourselves with the faith of God and not the fear of man. Every one of these situations outlined in chapter 11 came with a lot of fear from a lot of men and women. But the thing that won them over is faith that God is bigger than the circumstances we find ourselves in. Faith is bigger than the people that might surround us. Faith is bigger than the things that, that cause us to get stumble and, and fall on our faces. Faith is bigger than the times when I know what I should do, but I do something different, and by the mercy and grace of God, he picks me back up and still uses me. Faith is bigger than the fear of man. And what we get in this situation is all of a sudden we're able to straddle the line a little bit better. We don't have to worry about just being with the people in the church or just being people in the world. We can start to ask God, hey, hey, help me to find my place in, in, in actually being used by you. I, I do love the saying, show me your friends, I'll show you your future. I, I think it's a great thing. And what I think is that our closest group, our, our, our closest people that we come back to, to to ask deep questions about, and when we're when we're feeling tired out on faith, and, and, and when we feel like we're not doing great parenting, and we're sinning, and we're trying to get through that and everything else, I, I do agree that in these situations, our, our closest group, it, it's got to be people of faith. But if our only group includes people of faith, we're going to miss out on the fact that God wants to surround them with the same faith that's in you, and we actually need to reach a world that doesn't have the faith that we have, that doesn't have the hope that we have, that doesn't have the God that we have, that doesn't have the assurance that we have, that doesn't have the certainty of what the future looks like that we have. We've got to be surrounded by faith so we can be surrendered to God's future. This is good. We got a little bit more extra time. They just came up to throw you guys off, be like, wow, he's almost done. Nope. <laughs> you guys okay? Standing. A few more hours. It's okay. We got to be surrounded by the right things. But secondly, we need to, we need to be breaking barriers. I just have a question in this room. Are, are you breaking your barriers or are your barriers breaking you? I, I love because in chapter 12, it just cuts to the chase. It, it's, it's, not trying to, it's not trying to dance around the issue. It just, it just cuts to it. In a world where we don't want to talk about this stuff, it just says, well, we're going to talk about it. And I'm just, we're just going to call it the elephant in the room. This is why you're probably struggling with persevering in your faith. It says, throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. As, as one of your lead pastors, can I just call it in the room that there's some sin going on in your life that you need to just throw off today? Can I just call, out, call it out and just say, hey, like, like if you want to persevere towards all that God has for you, like one of the quickest ways to get there is to, to just cut off the sin that you're experiencing and allow God to actually replace 
the energy that you've been spending on that and just allow the presence of God to fill that void in your life? See, I, I think it's worth repeating again because it's the biggest revelation that I've received on sin in my life. There's two ways to get away from sin. One of them is to look at your sin and run away from it. And a lot of us do this. You know, in, in, in my life and, and when I was younger, one of the big things that I really, really, really struggled with was pornography. And I would look at it, and I would run from it, and I'd keep my eyes on it. I'd be like, I don't want to go there. You know, like, oh, it's coming after me again. And I, I would look at it and I'd just run, hoping to get to Jesus. But who knows that when you're running from one sin, it might just, it might just take you over here to another sin. <laughs> when you're running from that sin, you're so focused on it, you might just, oh, it's coming at me. You might find yourself in another ditch. What I found myself doing over and over again is I would just go from one ditch to another ditch to another ditch. I'm like, where are all these ditches coming from? And why in the world am I struggling with all this sin? It's because I have my eyes so focused on sin that I couldn't actually get away. Listen, there's another way to deal with sin in your life. And a lot of us aren't willing to do it because it's like, well, 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 what if it comes back up? Listen, the other way to deal with sin is to just look at Jesus, <laughs> set your eyes on him, and keep running towards him. Because what, guess what? It means that you necessarily get to Jesus. You run from sin when you're running to Jesus. When you're looking at sin running from it, you might just run to another sin. But when you focus on Jesus and you run towards him, you will, you will get over sin. You fill your life with worship. You will get to Jesus. You fill your life with reading God's word and getting through those difficult things even you don't understand. You're like, what the heck does that mean? And you go through the same hard work and say, you know what? No, I'm, I'm going to commit myself to this thing. Even when I don't understand it, I'm going to ask the right questions. Even when I don't feel like it, I'm going to do it anyway. Even when it doesn't feel great, I'm going to do it anyway. Even when I'm, 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 I'm flustered and that's the last thing I'm, I'm going to do it anyway. We set our eyes on Jesus and we'll start breaking barriers in our life that have been breaking us. It's phenomenal how long we'll hold on to different things and, and wonder, like, what, why am I not finding any traction in my life? Why am I not going the distance? Why, why, is, my, why is my marriage struggling when, when I'm just so addicted to my phone? Like, I, I don't understand. Listen, we've got to run to Jesus, and all of a sudden, this stuff starts taking care of itself. I started to realize, like, like the, one, one of the things recently in, 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 for me, listen, I'm not, I'm not prescribing this to you, but I was feeling anxious, and I was feeling like, I was feeling like tired and I was feeling like like I didn't have a lot of energy and I was feeling like like a little foggy in my mind and I'm like why why am I feeling this way? I started realizing it's because I was listening to one album over and over and over again and all the things that it was talking about was all the things that was clouding my mind. And I'm going well, in the world, I've got to, I've, we've got to go through the renewing of our mind in a different way. We've got to be willing to do the hard work and focus our eyes on Jesus if we want. Listen, listen, if, if you're feeling restless and wanting to travel all over the place and not know how to just set roots down and reach people for Jesus exactly where you find yourself, maybe it's because your Instagram feed is full with people just travel the world and look like they've got the best lives, and you don't see what they go through at all because all we're seeing is the highlights of their lives, and we're not actually looking deeper into the loneliness that they experience because they haven't been able to build deep relationships and good community or have a purpose that is worth dying for. 
Listen, we gotta, we got to start weeding out these things, not by looking at them and trying, I don't want to be like that. But what if we just started looking at Jesus and saying, hey, God, I want to smash through every barrier that comes my way, and I'm going to get through this because I want to live a life of purpose, and I want my family to be able to do the things that you've called us to do, and I want to see a world transformed by your peace and your mercy, and I want to see the love of Christ reign in my city. We give up far too easily because we're saying, well, we don't want to be like that. That's great. Don't, let's, let's just not say we don't want to be like that church down the road. Well, you don't need to say that. Let's not say, well, I don't want to be like those people at work that, that all they do is complain and everything. Let's not, let's not waste our time on that. Let's focus on Jesus and say, hey, every step I'm taking towards you, I'm taking towards a life that is abundantly full of purpose, that is abundantly full of your grace, abundantly full of your mercy, abundantly full of all the things that I actually need in my life. And I don't need to look at what I don't need because every time I look at you, I see what I actually want. And I'm running towards you with all the strength in the world. I realize I make break, pray, break pace in my life. Every I break praise. That, that is a, I'm going to write that down. That's another message. <laughs> Breaking praise. Every time I, I stop focusing on Jesus, all of a sudden serving at church gets harder. You realize how that happens? All of a sudden church starts to become a barrier to your walk with God. It's like, hold up. Didn't he start the church? Why would that ever become a barrier to him? It's because I'm serving at church like, well, I really just want to be at home watching the football game. Well, well, I really just want to, listen, you keep looking back long enough, and guess where it's going to take you? <laughs> it's going to take you back to the place that hasn't sustained you from the beginning. It's got wondering, why in the world am I not going in the direction that I want to go? It's because, listen, that's not what we want to build our lives on. We want to build our lives on Jesus. Jesus, I'm walking towards you, and thankful I get to serve in church on Sunday because I get to meet somebody who's been going through a bad breakup, and all of a sudden, they met you, and rather than thinking of committing suicide, they actually came in a relationship with you, and all of a sudden they're following you and I get to invite them over for Thanksgiving and I'm so thankful for the opportunity to be able to interact with people that you interacted with and that you want to interact with and it just reminds me that I've got a whole lot of sin in my life and, and I can actually help other people because I've been walking towards you for a long time and you've been showing me that you use sinful things to actually make them whole again and bring them along to actually conquering and, 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 and walking into your purpose. Listen, Setting our eyes on Jesus is the surest way you start kicking over all the barriers that you thought were behind you but are tripping you up, not because they're in front of you, but because you've been looking behind the whole time. We've got to be breaking the barriers. And listen, this just wraps right up in my, I was preaching two points at once. We've got to focus our vision. We've got to focus our vision. Because in Hebrews 12, <clears throat> it talks about how Jesus did this. He said, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of God, and continues, but for the joy set before him. Do you realize that you are the joy that was set before God? I want to let you know in this room, if you're wondering, like, wait, like, this is, this is nuts, and where do I... Where do I fit in with, with, with all of this? I, I want to let you know that you are the joy set before Jesus that led him to the cross. He actually died on the cross for you. He didn't die on the cross just for the person next to you. He didn't just die on the cross for some other person or somebody else that looks more holy than you or you think they look more holy than you. He didn't die for somebody that, that's able to keep their act together. He didn't die for somebody that serves more at church than you. He didn't just die for them. He died for you. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. Listen, we got to focus our vision. One of the things right now that makes my kids laugh 
Like, and it's so ridiculous. Kids are the best. They make you feel so good about yourself. You're like, I'm, I'm not that great of a person, but you think I'm the best comedian? You think I'm the hardest worker? You think I'm an engineer because I can fix anything? Like, you got, like, they really help your self-esteem. One of the things that is uh, just causing my kids to laugh like crazy right now is when I do the cross-eyed. Can you do this? Or just go, you go cross-eyed. And they're like, what the, like, what, what, what's that doing, you know? And they, like, they're howl. They're like, they think it's the funniest thing in the world. And then you just throw in a little, uh, you know, and you look across and the thing, like, what the heck? But, but I was, I was thinking like, like, that's a funny way to like, like make somebody laugh, but it's a terrible way to walk through life. Like, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's great for like, for like a season of like causing stuff. But it, can you imagine I was like preaching to you all, all morning like this? Like I'm doing some magic eye puzzle trying to figure out what's actually happening in the room. I'm just walking around. Like honestly, you guys think think it's scary when I come up to the stage normally. Well, can you imagine I was just looking out and all of a sudden I walk up cross-eyed to the stage You're like, dude, just look, just just look ahead. <laughs> I, I hope this message encourages you because it's pretty simple. <laughs> We've got an incredible thing happening in our church right now. Incredible thing happening in our church right now. It's amazing. So many of you sitting right here, I know the stories of what's going on. You're going through stuff. So many of you, you actually have great things happening in your life. So there's so many great stories to celebrate in this room, and I'm just so thankful to be a small part of what God's doing in the lives of the people in this room. But can I just encourage you to set your eyes on Jesus who set his eyes on you so that you can actually find yourself walking into the future that you ultimately want and that God desires for you because when you're cross-eyed walking through life, you're going to find yourself stumbling. Listen, we can't mix the world with what God, with, with the, what the world wants with what God wants. If we surrender to his will, all of a sudden we get what we actually want out of this world because our souls long for something deeper than what the world can communicate for us. And so listen, if we decide our eyes on Jesus, what starts to happen is we start to find ourselves living in a society and living in a region where we start to believe God could actually move out my workplace. God could actually start moving in my neighborhood. God could actually start moving in my family. Listen, Slate Church exists to see people far from God come into relationship with Him by building a large, innovative, influential, Christ-centered church that loves God and loves others. But we've got to stay focused on that fact. Otherwise, we're going we're gonna to lose perseverance all along the way. Can we stand up in this place? Thank you for watching. Again, if you were impacted by this message in any way, send an email to mystory@slatechurch.com. You can also visit slatechurch.com and fill out one of our online connect cards. We would love to see you in person at one of our Sunday services. As well, you can stay connected with us by following us at Slate Church on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.